3, uh, and then going to be jumping around a couple of things. We've been spending time, obviously, in uh, verse number uh, 42 and continuing steadfast with our theme uh, in the Apostles' Doctrine. Uh, we've spent quite a bit of time on that, uh, and uh, we're, we talked about fellowship this morning, uh, but I need to kind of connect it all uh, with uh, the text from Jude, uh, where we've been preaching, uh, I've been preaching on on Wednesday night. I encourage you to be here for, uh, for that, uh, for the evening service and the Bible study, and uh, we we're covering a lot of different things. Uh, so tonight we'll read verse number 42, uh, well, verse 41 and 42, you can remain seated. Of Acts chapter number 2, verse 41, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Heavenly Father, I pray that You bless us tonight. I just thank You for uh, the time that we can sing to You and to worship You. We thank You for the special uh, a moment ago. Uh, and I pray, Lord, that You're honored with all that we do here tonight. We love You in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Uh, in Jude 3, we don't need to turn there, we uh, talked about contending for the faith uh, that was once delivered uh, unto the saints. It's our responsibility as Christians to, uh, to find out what the Word of God says, to, to learn, uh, to grow, to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Uh, and, and all of that is so that we can serve Him uh, in, in faithfully, uh, in, in a right way, in truth is truth. Uh, we are to preach God's Word. Uh, someone asked me like uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, uh, they said, how do you know what to, how do you know what to preach uh, uh, for, uh, on the services? And I explained different things, but the biggest part is that we preach the Word. Uh, we preach the Bible. Uh, and when you preach the Bible, you never run out of subject matter. Uh, and, uh, and you know that just by, you know, um, in fact, uh, several years ago when uh, our theme was out of Jude, uh, we had a visitor that was coming uh, at the beginning part of the year, and it's like, how long is that guy going to preach in the book of Jude? Uh, and, uh, and I said, come back next week, I'll be in Second Peter, and that's just Jude uh, uh, as well, uh, and uh, she didn't come back. Uh, but uh, but uh, we've spent a lot of time in these few verses already uh, this year. Uh, but uh, the Bible's amazing in that you just can keep peeling back layers and layers. And I mean, you can take one word in the Bible, and, and, and as a pastor, uh, whether it's topical or you, in a text, you can just preach and preach and preach. Uh, so there's never a want for things to say. Thus, all my papers here uh, tonight. But I want to be a little bit more concise about biblical fellowship in connection to contending for the faith. Uh, so uh, this morning we looked at the fact uh, that fellowship is unity. Uh, there's a commonality, a communion that we can only have uh, in Christ uh, with other Christians. We, um, and again, um, there are, um, I teach because I believe the Bible teaches uh, that there are um, the family of God, the body of Christ, the household of faith, uh, but when it comes to the church, um, we, the Bible in the New Testament in particular, we believe in local New Testament churches, not a universal church. Uh, there are, um, we have brothers and sisters and people are saved uh, and there are people saved in all kinds of different churches. Uh, and when we get to heaven, uh, the new Jerusalem uh, and all of that, there are going to be saved people from uh, all different kinds of groups, okay? Uh, and, uh, but I can't help but think that if they read their Bible, uh, that, they, um, that they couldn't, um, uh, they, they'd be a Baptist if they read their Bibles, all right? And uh, so when it comes to fellowship, that 
body of doctrine that God gives us um, is set. Um, It doesn't change. Uh, There is one interpretation of Scripture. The words mean what they mean. Uh, And when you take context, historical context, who is God speaking to in in the sense of maybe it's Jesus preaching, say, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, When he says things to them, he's preaching to them. It's recorded in Scripture. It is for us, and it is profitable, and we've laid that case out uh, time and time again. But... um, there, there are several ways that we draw distinctions as Baptists. Uh, and when it comes to fellowship and breaking fellowship, um, it's important to know what the scriptures say about that. That's why I define fellowship as different from friendship or relationship. Uh, we have fellowship because we have a common purpose. Uh, we have uh, the Word of God, which is our final rule of faith and practice, uh, and we've established that the Apostles' Doctrine uh, that we're to continue in uh, is both the Law and the Prophets, uh, it is the, the teachings of Jesus, uh, and of course the vast majority of our New Testament uh, is written under inspiration of God by um, Apostles, those who uh, walked with the Lord and talked with the Lord uh, and ministered uh, um, after he uh, left, he commissioned them, uh, and as he ascended into heaven, uh, and they went about uh, establishing uh, works throughout the world. Uh, primarily, uh, we see that through the book of Acts, uh, the Apostle Paul being uh, one of the main ones and many other supporters. So, um, <clears throat> whenever uh, I have, as a pastor, and this is where I'm going to be kind of uh, hitting and missing some different things, um, there comes a time, uh, and there's been many times really in my life as a pastor, uh, where I've had to uh, break fellowship with um, other pastors. Um, I know that we don't all agree, and I'm friends with people who don't agree with me. Uh, and um, they're wrong, but, uh, but anyways, uh, I can ha- still have friendship, but we can't have fellowship. And what I mean by that is we do not partner with one another Uh, We don't do things as churches together uh, because uh, there are differences. Uh, But there's been times when I have done that or I've taken a stand on things uh, and I get all kinds of responses. Uh, And some that I've referenced lately where people say, well, we're we're brothers, we're not twins. All right, to point out that we can can still, uh, we're all on the same team, we're not going to agree on everything. And that is true. And there are things that we can disagree upon uh, that aren't deal breakers. Uh, We can remain in fellowship, uh, and they are what I would describe uh, tonight uh, as matters of choice. Uh, There are um, uh, areas of Christian living to where um, uh, people have to do what they feel is right. Uh, And uh, there's no authoritative scripture um, on the topic in, in, in those moments, I just tell people, you know, hey, you, you, know, you do you. Uh, but um, there have been churches that have taken Baptist off of the name. Uh, there have been men who were Baptist preachers who have gone off into uh, to different types of, you know, denominational uh, churches uh, or non-denominational churches. And when they've been cr- confronted, either by myself uh, or somebody else, one of their big responses is, I'm still... Uh, a Baptist because I believe uh, in the fundamentals of the faith. All right. So if you were to go to uh, the interweb uh, and, and type in what are the fundamentals of the faith, all right, 
you're going to get all kinds of answers. Uh, there are some people that believe and teach that there are three fundamentals or uh, uh, cardinal doctrines uh, to which describe you. If you do not hold to these uh, three cardinal doctrines, uh, then you can't call yourself a Christian. Uh, there are others that say there are five. Uh, there are others that say there are seven. Uh, I read one today that had 14 uh, of them. And, uh, and so people differ even on what are cardinal doctrines. But if I was to mash them together uh, and, uh, and, and to kind of give a list, uh, there are a couple of them. Uh, I'll just say here's, there's six. We'll give you six. We'll go with six as a number. Well, seven is a number of completion. Uh, but, uh, but I'm just going to give you six. Uh, so people would say that the deity of Christ is a cardinal doctrine. So um, in order to be a Christian, uh, you need to believe that uh, Jesus was God uh, in the flesh, uh, he and, uh, and the deity of Christ. You can't challenge that. Unfortunately, there are a lot of churches uh, that have Bible versions that completely demolish uh, the deity of Christ. And so there are some people who say, we believe in the deity of Christ, but then on a very practical level, um, they're preaching from Bible versions uh, that, that completely challenge it. In those moments, um, um, I have issue with that, and sometimes I break fellowship, obviously, uh, if, uh, if there's an inconsistency there. Uh, or uh, they're using a Bible version, uh, that, um, and they're putting together camp materials for our kids uh, and all that kind of stuff. It's important. All those things matter. Uh, and, and I actually lose sleep uh, over a lot of those things. Uh, as a shepherd in trying to, to, to make sure uh, that we keep uh, our doctrine and our practice and things pure. Uh, so the deed of Christ would be one. Uh, the, uh, the scriptures, uh, the infallibility of scriptures, believing that we have the inspired word of God uh, is, uh, is a cardinal um, Christian tenant. Uh, it's, uh, if we don't have the Bible, then we don't have anything. And, um, and there's a lot of, I could spend a lot of time on that. Uh, but I believe that God breathed, the Holy Spirit of God breathed verbal plenary inspiration, and men penned what God wanted them to pen. He used men from different walks of life, etc., and he did all that. And I, this morning I talked about uh, the preservation of God's Word, every jot and tittle, uh, and uh, was asked about when punctuation marks uh, were added to Scripture. And, uh, and in the originals, and I was looking, I didn't really think about it, because I always use, I didn't take Greek class. I didn't have Hebrew. Um, I, I can't even speak English well. Uh, in our, in our, uh, right, Brother Omelie. Uh, and uh, so, um, so I preach uh, out of an English translation, the King James Bible. Uh, and, uh, and when it comes to all that's involved in the translation work, I believe God, God promised to preserve His Word. Um, there are not, um, ton, the, the originals don't exist. So God has preserved his word, and I believe that he's preserved it primarily in English. Uh, and everything with, you know, English being, you know, the language that is spoken throughout the world, there's a lot of, uh, of what God has done in, in that. I don't believe the King James Bible is doubly inspired, uh, but I believe that we have the word of God in our hands, uh, a, uh, a preserved copy of that. Uh, but uh, uh, punctuations, uh, so originally, you know, in the Greek, there was like, they're all big run-on sentences with no um, punctuation. And a lot of that, as I looked that up today, had to do with the fact that parchment, I mean, materials to write on uh, were scarce. 
And so they tried to fit as many things on the paper as possible. And, uh, but when, when the Word of God was translated from Greek or Hebrew or, uh, or old you know, uh, manuscripts that are extant, um, when the Greek scholars, those who were translated in, into English, uh, used uh, English grammar and syntax to add um, punctuation you know, to those texts, uh, so that we can understand. So literal translation, um, you know, even if it's like if somebody says something in Spanish, uh, you try to translate that literally, it's things are backwards and whatever. And so the translators and all of, and I believe that God, you know, uh, didn't inspire the translators, uh, but through his promise of preservation, you, you can see all the, um, you know, the information about that. Uh, I believe that the readability, uh, for us uh, in English, it, they translate it the right way uh, in, in really punctual, like for example, um, you know, who hath um, bewitched you, uh, uh, that um, when you, that was translated, it was all kind of whatever, but it's a question. And in the English language, you put a question mark uh, after, uh, you know, a question. And so grammar and syntax and all of that was involved in that. But we believe that we have the inspired Word of God in our hand, not because it's doubly inspired, but that we have a preserved copy of the Word of God. And if we don't have it, uh, then, uh, you know, might as well just hang it up. So the infallibility of scriptures if, uh, is, a, is a tenet. If there's, a, if there's somebody who, who challenges the, uh, um, the Word of God, in fact, a uh, very popular um, uh, preacher, uh, Andy Stanley, uh, has been doing that a lot uh, lately, uh, challenging the authority of the Bible. Uh, and really, there's, I've seen even in, uh, in this week um, mission statements put out by different organizations that are basically like, we embrace the fact that the Word of God would have errors and, uh, and mistakes and human beings and on and on. Basically, you have, if you have no authority, um, no authoritative truth, uh, then there's, there's no measure. Uh, so when, if there's somebody who challenges whether or not we have uh, the inspired word of God today, um, I, I don't fellowship with them. Uh, I may love them. I may pray for them. Uh, there may, they may, may be a friend, uh, but, uh, but I will not um, have them preach here uh, or I, I won't preach for them uh, in things. So, um, so the infallibility of Scripture. Salvation by grace. Um, you know, salvation uh, through Jesus alone. Uh, is, is another one. The resurrection is a, is a cardinal doctrine uh, that is, it should be included in every Christian um, uh, church's articles of faith because the resurrection is a keystone. Uh, without, the res, without a resurrected Christ, we're all dead uh, in sin and we're wasting our time. Uh, one God, monotheism. Um, the Trinity. Um, the virgin birth. So there are, there are a number of things in the Bible that we would consider to be cardinal doctrines uh, that, um, that make you um, distinctively a Christian, all right? Um, but they don't make you distinctively a Baptist. And, and, uh, and there's distinctions to be made uh, for that as well. Uh, quickly, I'll give you an acrostic. Um, by the word, with the word Baptist, I preached on this stuff at length at, in different times. Maybe I'll do so again. So um, they would say, uh, I'm still a Baptist because I believe in the um, 5, 7, 14, whatever, cardinal doctrines. Uh, and, uh, but that makes you a Christian, uh, not necessarily a Baptist. But Methodists, Presbyterians, you know, a lot of people believe in those 
um, cardinal doctrines. Is everybody with me? Uh, so again, it, the apostles' doctrine includes all of those cardinal doctrines, but doctrine is teaching. So all of it together uh, is what we've been establishing in recent weeks. But here's an acrostic, the word Baptist. Uh, we believe in biblical authority, uh, and uh, that's almost always safeguarded by, uh, a, for independent Baptists, a King James uh, Bible-only uh, position. Uh, and, uh, and there are um, lots of reasons for that. Uh, and uh, if you have questions about it ever, uh, please ask me. We may have a Bible conference here coming up or something to help with that. Uh, a, uh, in the word Baptist, is the autonomy of the local church. And uh, so we, I referenced that this morning, we believe uh, in, in, you know, indigenous churches, they're autonomous, uh, we don't, we're not part of uh, groups or uh, conferences or whatever. Fellowships, but that's all they are. Uh, and by the way, in, when a fellowship asks me uh, to be um, an officer in the fellowship, I, I, every time I tell them no. I don't want to be, an, I'll, I'll give money and our church will help with projects and whatever, uh, but uh, I don't vote um, when I'm in those meetings, the, you know, all the, 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 you know, the democratic process and that, um, I just don't. I go for the preaching and I love the preachers that are there uh, and the fellowship with them. Uh, we believe in the autonomy of the local church. Uh, and uh, P in the word Baptist, we believe in the priesthood of the believer. Um, that's a Baptist distinctive. Uh, and, and so no sacerdotalism, uh, no um, uh, clericalism. Uh, we, you don't have to go to a priest. Um, you are a priest. You're a believer priest, and you have access to the throne of grace. Uh, and, uh, and so when denominational groups teach that you've got to uh, you know, go through uh, a man. Uh, you know, I like how my pastor put it one time. He says, I'm not going to go to a, uh, you know, someone dressed, you know, uh, someone they call Papa who's dressed like Mama, uh, you know, and, and ask him to forgive me uh, of, of my sins. And, uh, and, uh, and so we, we he, uh, a lot of times I get myself in trouble because he's trained me uh, to, to get in trouble. So, priest of the believer, um, we believe T, two offices. Uh, in, and that is pastors and deacons in practice, uh, elders and bishops. There's different names uh, in Scripture, uh, but two offices uh, we don't believe uh, in uh, or teach or really have, um, you know, the modern uh, elder rule uh, in that there are a multiplicity of elders. Uh, and uh, so there are churches, uh, even some Baptist churches, uh, they don't have a pastor. They, the men take turns preaching. Uh, and, uh, and, and really the bottom line is uh, th- these are people who have authority problems, okay? Uh, and, um, and it's always a mess. Uh, there have been models, even in our state, uh, with Brother Prisk and Brother Sargent in Oak Harbor, uh, where they, they co-pastored, but there was always a presiding elder. There's always somebody who uh, the buck stopped with uh, in order for it to be a scriptural biblical church, two offices. Uh, the word I in Baptist... Uh, it's an acrostic. We believe in individual soul liberty uh, of the believer. Uh, not uh, you know, only are, um, you know, we're, we're New Testament believers, uh, but um, we have individual soul liberty. Uh, S, saved. We believe in a saved, baptized church membership. Uh, and that, of course, is safeguarded by believer's baptism, by immersion, uh, and not sprinkle poured, uh, squirted, uh, you know, whatever. If, 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 by the way, if baptism saved people, I'd, I'd rent the biggest fire truck I could find and just go to every um, tent city and spray everybody. 
uh, and, uh, you know, just walk, just drive down the road, go to parks, just, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, and just soak people down and get them to heaven. But baptism doesn't save people. Uh, but, but if a church teaches baptismal regeneration, we don't fellowship with them. Uh, and it's not because we're mean. It's just that we have a responsibility in Scripture to practice ecclesiastical separation. T in the word Baptist, two ordinances, uh, communion and baptism. So there are things that make us distinctly Christian, and there are things that make us distinctly Baptist. Uh, and, uh, and there's a lot more. There's tons and tons more information uh, that, uh, that we could look at. Uh, but I wanted to, uh, to really focus on uh, the contending for the faith and the question that people have about separating, when do you separate? Uh, and, uh, and we found even in Scripture in, in, uh, in Thessalonians uh, that there were people that were separated from, not because from, they didn't believe in cardinal doctrines. It's because they were um, lazy. Uh, they weren't working. And they were, they were very practical things. And, uh, and Paul was saying, you need to um, remove that person. Uh, and let me say this. Um, you know, even before church, I mean, this afternoon, before church, uh, before I even came in here, I'm, I'm dealing with stuff and people, whatever. And um, I am uh, pretty strict about stuff and, and what the Word of God says. Uh, but, but you also have to realize that I've been here for 17 years. Uh, and I've, I've church disciplined one person in 17 years. All right? And... Um, and, and my goal in that is restoration. Uh, and, uh, and there are other um, you know, things and stuff that I'm dealing with and with people, whatever. Uh, and I'm, I'm, can I complain for just one second? Uh, and uh, when, people, when people do things that they shouldn't do, um, and it's not my fault. Okay, I'm tired of being, you know, it's just like I'm trying to help people. I'm sending, I'm sending out texts and all these different things and nope, then they're not answering and, and on and on and on and on. Uh, and it's like, you know, um, I'm trying to help people. And, uh, and it really gets old when people, when people sin and, and, and they do things that they're not supposed to do and then they get mad at me. And, uh, you know, and it's like, you know, you can't win for losing oftentimes in ministry, and it's part of the thing. But I just, you know, thanks for letting me complain uh, just for a brief moment uh, tonight. Um, but when I've confronted people, and people have, there's a, a saying, and let me read this. Of course, we know the word fellowship. We talked about that means uh, uh, holding things in common. There's unity. It's used 20 times in the New Testament. Uh, there's a basis of foundations, the apostles' doctrine. Uh, we're saved. Uh, we have the Holy Spirit of God in us. We have a basis for that. But one of the most misused and confusing um, statements that people use to describe biblical fellowship uh, or um, you know, the challenges to it, whatever, uh, they say this. There's a saying that says, it's a famous quote, and it comes from the 1500s. Uh, I, I tweeted on it or whatever before this, this afternoon in preparation. Uh, but uh, there's a person named uh, Philip, uh, and the last name is Melanchthon or whatever. Uh, long story short, he was a, re a German re Lutheran reformist. So from the 1500s. And it's funny because the whole... Um, Lutheranism, Martin Luther, the 95 Thesis, protested, put it on the, on the church door. Uh, and, uh, and one of Martin Luther's protégés was this gentleman uh, who was an educator. Uh, and 
on the, they just protested, they just separated from Catholicism uh, with, with basically 95 points. Uh, and, uh, and he says this, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. And what has taken place is that Christians of all sorts and pastors of all sorts uh, have taken that quote uh, sometimes to help promote unity, uh, but in a lot of ways to, to excuse compromise. And here's, and here's what I mean by that. Um, in essentials, they say, okay, there are, in fact, when you read on that quote, uh, they'd say there are you know, five or six cardinal doctrines that deal with salvation, um, who Christ is, uh, and uh, salvation by grace, um, and all of the ones that I'd listed. Uh, and so outside of those cardinal doctrines, um, those are the essential doctrines. And, and so by the quote, and again, I just think it's misused and misunderstood and misapplied. Um, in essentials, unity, we should be unified on all doctrine. Okay, not just the cardinal doctrines, but all teaching. So when he says, in essentials, liberty, um, I just personally believe that there are no non-essential biblical doctrines. All of them are essential. What they mean, in part, I believe, is that there are big ones that we should all agree in, uh, and that there are other teachings in the Bible where we're going to disagree and so they say everything other than the cardinal ones are non-essential, and I beg to differ. Um, I believe that all of the Bib- all Bible teachings are essential. All right, I agree. All things should be done in charity and in love. Um, but the problem comes in. Uh, I've got pe- guys that I know they believe in the, the virgin birth and the you know the deity of Christ and all the the, the you know scriptures and all of that. Uh, but where we might differ in are in areas of Christian living. Uh, and uh, so I wanted to, uh, to, uh, to read a couple of things. Um, uh, get rid of those notes there. <laughs> uh, and uh, come back to this in a, in a matter. So uh, several so-called non-essentials um, that people say they're, these are non-essentials are like life and death things. Uh, and, but because they deal with areas not directly related to salvation or who God is, um, they're considered non-essential. And so this Philip gentleman challenged believers to give um, varying levels of Christian freedom uh, to one another in these areas. And, uh, and uh, so uh, the way that he describes it, um, this non-essentials, which it doesn't make any sense uh, because he says three different ways, matters of conviction, matters of conscience, and matters of choice. All right? And so in matters of conviction... Uh, what they would mean, things that involve moral and theological important things um, that are unmis- you know, they're unmistakable things. Like these would include things like one's position on um, the biblical mode for baptism. The Bible teaches immersion, right? Uh, so they'd say, um, but you know, in Lutheranism and Catholic, you know, they sprinkle and pour, and and a lot of that was born out of convenience and. Uh, false teaching, uh, eternal security, abortion, um, homosexuality, all of those are, are serious, important issues. And there are a lot of doctrinal teaching about that. Uh, but because they're not related to salvation, 
uh, or who God is, they say they're non-essentials and we can, and we can differ and they not be a point uh, of, of contending against or, uh, or separating from uh, if it came to that. So matters of conviction. Uh, and, uh, but then matters of conscience. And he describes that as matters of conscience involve those things, either not specifically addressed in the Bible or not absolutely clear in Scripture due to nuances in language and cultural considerations and challenges in application. Uh, and, uh, and so he states things like today's conscience, today's conscience-related issues might include Bible version preference, uh, spiritual gifts, uh, uh, social drinking positions, political affiliations, and so on. Because these are matters of conscience, believers should know, uphold, and discuss them, uh, but these aren't areas uh, that we can uh, separate on. And then matters of choice, uh, he describes those in a way uh, that would uh, be um, stuff like, you know, uh, if people participate in uh, Halloween or, uh, or believe in Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or uh, a civic involvement, uh, should you or shouldn't you um, vote or have a, you know, say pledges to flags. And uh, there, are, there are things in Scripture that, are non, uh, that aren't related to that, and they say they're matters of choice. Um, but I want you to rewind just for a second. Um, there are no non-essential Bible doctrines. All right. Bible teaching uh, is um, uh, all of it. Um, and I'm going to illustrate it. Turn uh, quickly to Exodus chapter number 9. Um, I'm going to use terminology that we use, not that the German reformer, uh, uh, you know, reformed theologian uh, that came out of Lutheranism in the 1500s. Uh, and, uh, and by the way, I'd rather just believe the Bible uh, and, uh, and trust the Word of God uh, and obey all points, doctrinal positions and teachings, n- n- all of them, uh, and uh, then to try to just figure out a way uh, to justify, um, you know, things that, uh, that, uh, that I'm doing or uh, that aren't right. So um, in Exodus, this is just an example. I'm going to teach you how uh, I look at uh, um, the principles and convictions and standards and, and all that kind of stuff, why they're important, okay, and give you a very clear. I was criticized about this even this last week uh, about um, I pointed out um, the wrecking ball thing uh, from the Super Bowl stuff. And some guy just went to see it on it and, you know, whatever. And, uh, and I thought I blocked him, but he, uh, he changed his name uh, and was hammering me uh, all over the Internet. Uh, and it's like, you know, and it's just crazy. Uh, and it's like, um, you know, anyways. Um, um, and one of the, I believe this, uh, you don't have to have a Bible verse to attach uh, to every standard that you have. Okay. Everybody's got standards. The world's got standards. McDonald's got standards. Boeing's got standards, right? Uh, I mean, it's everybody has standards. Uh, and, uh, but somehow people say, if we, as a Christian, if you have a standard, you've got to have um, a Bible verses. If, otherwise, they're extra biblical and you shouldn't have them. All right? Um, I never, ever, ever, ever preach um, extra biblical standards as authoritative. Okay? And I want to explain it tonight. Uh, because of um, uh, it's recent. I mean, it's just stuff that I, I deal with all the time. So I'll use this as an example because it's not one that will hit you between the eyes. All right. Uh, so in Exodus, uh, Mount Sinai, God had, look at verse number um, uh, 13 uh, in Exodus 19. Uh, speaking of Sinai and all that was going on, he says, There shall not an hand touch it, 
uh, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Um, whether it be beast or man, shall not live. Uh, when the trumpet soundeth, they shall come up from the mount. Uh, and I'm looking down uh, for uh, another verse I'm not seeing here, uh, but look at verse number 23. Um, oh, verse number 12. Uh, it said, And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount or touch the border of it. Whosoever shall touch the mount shall surely be put to death. All right. So this was a command of God, a principle that was established. Verse number 23. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds uh, about the mount and sanctify it. All right? Uh, so I, um, we have a biblical principle, Exodus 19, 12, uh, and then uh, an understanding, the convictions, you touch the mountain, you're going to die. And then you have a standard that was established. They built a wall around it to keep people from dying, all right? And here's what I want to explain tonight, and I'll be done. The difference between principles, convictions, standards, preferences, and choices, or hang-ups, or whatever you would want to call it. Um, a principle from the Word of God, apostles' doctrine, Bible truths that we have to live by in order to please God. If we do not continue steadfastly in the, the apostles' doctrine, I believe we are disobeying God, uh, and, uh, and that is, uh, is not where we want. So anywhere in the Bible that there are direct or implied commands, and, um, those are biblical truths. Um, the Ten Commandments are, 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 are uh, biblical truths. There are all kinds of biblical mandates. Uh, they do not change because of, of time, location, culture. They're universal. They're forever applicable. Uh, and, uh, for example, um, uh, the Bible says to abstain from all appearances of evil. All right? Um, that's a command. Um, God tells us to abstain from all appearances of evil. So if we find ourselves in a place to where um, somebody you know, sees or, you know, you someplace where you shouldn't be or thinks you're doing, you violated scripture. You violated the command of God. Uh, and, uh, and so um, that is a biblical principle, a command of God that has to be as biblical truth. Then people will, you know, uh, for uh, like, uh, you know, um, where I used to get my hair cut when I was in Wisconsin, my barber uh, was um, here uh, and there were two bars, one on either side of the barbershop. Okay, and uh, and so um, I really liked that barber, uh, but I couldn't I couldn't park um, anywhere near the barber, and, and I have to go in the back, uh, you know, to back because I just didn't want anybody to see me in front of the barber shop with my car parked because they might think I was at the tavern. You say that's ridiculous, um, but that was just a standard uh, that I had put in place uh, to keep a biblical principle. So we have biblical mandates. They don't change um, because someone accepts them or, re or rejects them. They're Bible truths that we have to live by, all right? If it's a biblical principle, um, I don't care how a person wants to spin it or justify it or say they don't have to do it, they're wrong. Uh, all biblical principle must be obeyed. Uh, and when we don't obey it, we're in sin uh, and all the consequences. Uh, are. So there's a biblical principle, a conviction uh, is the personal beliefs that I have based on biblical principles which govern my life. Okay? Um, and here's how dumb people are. Uh, they'll say, okay, Brother Reno, um, would you die over that? Uh, you can have a biblical conviction that you wouldn't die over. 
Uh, and uh, but you know, silly stuff like you know, um, you know, I, there there are things that I don't preach against, uh, but I just I just I just don't do them. You know, I live in a glass house, uh, and uh, and so there's certain expectations, obviously, uh, that are there. But um, some things that aren't inherently sinful, we we can we still need to avoid. Uh, for sake of testimony and other things. So there's a difference between saying that I have a conviction and then living by those convictions. Um, if we're not living by them, then they're really not convictions. Um, and, uh, we, and we really don't need to listen to know what a person's convictions are. All we have to do is look at a person's life to be able to tell uh, what their convictions are. So a principle, a Bible truth that we all need to live by uh, to please God, all biblical principle. A conviction is a personal belief that we have based on biblical principle, all right? Um, and then a standard is a rule that we adopt to help us to keep our convictions, all right? Let me explain. Um, and, and by the way, these th- those, um, a standard can change depending upon your need uh, or time, uh, and they're there to protect it. So in our example from Exodus 19, um, the biblical principle, uh, you know, you, you can't touch the mountain, you're going to die. Uh, and uh, a standard was they built uh, a wall to protect uh, 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 them from, um, from violating the biblical principle. So what a standard is, it's something that's designed to help us to keep our convictions. And, uh, and they should never take the place of convictions. Uh, and again, they, um, uh, they can change. So Pharisees, they had... Um, the highest of standards, but they were the furthest from Jesus. Uh, standards are not necessarily a measure of spirituality, uh, but they're things that we put in place to keep convictions. Too much emphasis on standards can lead to pride and arrogance, uh, and I think that's where a lot of people have beefs uh, with independent fundamental Baptists. Okay? But everybody has standards. Uh, so if I say, you know, um, um, what's one that... What's one that, let's, let's, let's dialogue a, a little bit. Um, uh, come up, give me, somebody give me um, a standard, and, and, uh, and I can explain to you if it's tied to uh, a biblical principle or a conviction, uh, or if it's a preferential thing. Can anybody give me an example? Going to the movies. Going to the movies, all right. So, so there are biblical principles about going to, uh, that we can apply to going to movies. One would be, set no wicked thing before your eyes. All right. Um, um, principles about frowardness and perverseness. The Bible says a froward mouth that the Lord hate. Um, so movies that have um, profanity, uh, nudity, um, uh, ungodliness, they promote ungodliness and worldliness. Those are all things that we shouldn't watch as Christians. But the rub comes into, you know, if you were in the Christian school somewhere growing up and you went to the movies, you got kicked out of the Christian school. All right, and um, and it was like that in all the places um, that I've gone. And by the way, uh, you, if you have if you have kids if you have kids that are in Bethel Baptist School, uh, and their rule is you don't go to the movies, don't go to the movies. It doesn't ma- it doesn't matter what you feel about that position, you sub- you submit yourself to that school's authority, and if you don't like it, pull your kids out. Okay. And, um, but um, the reason I don't preach against going to movies uh, is because it's completely inconsistent. There's no consistent stand to have. Okay? 
Um, you can rent them. You know, you can watch them in your home. You don't got to go to a movie theater. You can, take the, you can take the principles of stewardship and apply it to going to movies. You know, you, you go there and drop, you know, $100 on popcorn and milk duds. Uh, and, uh, you know, so am I being a good steward, uh, you know, of my fine? So there are plenty of principles, biblical principles that you could apply that might keep you from going to a movie theater. But there are principles that you apply to your life that will keep you from watching it at home. All right? Uh, and there are other things. So there are standards that you can have. You know, a standard like, okay, if it's, if it's not okay for my kids to watch it, it's not okay for me to watch it. So, um, so, that, so not going to a movie would be a standard that you put in place to keep the, a biblical conviction of... of uh, perverseness or, um, or setting a wicked thing. And at home, by the way, if something, if something comes on that's not right, you can turn it off. You can't do that at the movie theater. All right? So I've heard, I've heard everything under the sun. And, but I don't, I don't stand up in the pulpit and say, bless God, if you go to a movie, I'm going to kick you out of church. Because there's no biblical authoritative, it just doesn't say, thou shalt not go to the movies, pastor. You're our, you are 100% right. All right, um, but but why do you want to go see something that that has uh, you know two hundred swear words in it? To the pure, all things are pure. All right, so you know I remember I can't remember what movie it was, but um, but 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 I, but I came close to hammering some people about it because they were they were bragging about it, uh, going to it on Facebook, uh, and uh, and and it had like you know, the worst swear word, like 140 sometimes in it. And, and, and Christians, members of our church, like, oh yeah, this movie's great. And I, and I, and I was like, um, anyways, I, I, it, for, it's bad for me to read Facebook a lot of times uh, because of, of that stuff. So, so that would be an example of you set up a standard to keep a conviction. The convictions uh, are based on biblical principles. So if you uh, want to have, if you realize that, you know, your, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and what you watch, Jesus is watching, uh, then, then you might, you might um, not, you know, um, watch movies with different, um, you know, uh, designations, uh, R-rated and all these different things. Um, and by the way, you should just be reading your Bible. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but again, um, you know, uh, I just remember it's like, okay, Pastor Reno, explain to me why I can't go to the Lion King at the movie theater, but I can rent it and watch it at home. If I go to the movie theater and watch Lion King, I get kicked out of the Christian school, uh, but I can watch it at home. Make, they make sense of that for me. And, uh, and I can't. And, uh, but so, so that's why I don't run people out of church for going to movies. Does that make sense? So, but, but if you don't go because, because you don't want to violate a principle, praise the Lord. And by the way, all of this, if somebody has a standard or um, whatever that they set up in their life that's more strict than yours, just praise God for it. You don't got to do it. Um, and, uh, but, uh, but, it's, uh, but it's important. So principle, Bible truths that we got to live by to please God. A conviction, personal beliefs, upon biblical principles which govern our lives. A standard is a rule that we adopt to help us keep our conviction. A preference um, is what we believe would please God, but we have no direct biblical basis for it. Um, it's not the same as a principle. It's not the same as convictions or as standards. But, and they're not necessarily bad or wrong. It's what we do, what we believe 
uh, pleases the Lord. All right. So um, um, an uh, example of a preference would be, um, uh, and we can apply it. Let's say, like, I don't, I don't go to, um, to bars that serve food. But I do go to restaurants that serve alcohol. And having grown up, you know, I, I, know, the di- I, I know when I'm going to a bar that serves pizza. Okay? And it doesn't matter how good the pizza is. Um, it's still a bar. All right? By the way, some of the, like where I grew up, like all my relatives got bars. The best pizza in that area, my cousin Brad, his bar, the log cabin, he makes the best pizza. And, uh, but um, I don't, you know, if, if I'm going to go, I go to the gas station and some from, somebody from the bar brings my pizza over to the gas station. I'm not going to go into the bar. Now, if I went into that bar, like all people say, hey, Bobby, hey, everybody, I'd know everybody in there because I grew up there. Um, but, but I don't want to be coming out of, the, out of uh, the log cabin with the pizza. And then, and then somebody's like, isn't that Pastor Reno coming out of the bar? Okay. So pizza's not important enough to me. Uh, and uh, I mean, I like pizza and everything, but, um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a preference is something uh, that we don't have a biblical uh, basis for, uh, but we have that. We just believe that it pleases the Lord. So pe- some people's preferences, um, you know, uh, they, won't, they won't go to Applebee's. Like when we have missionaries, um, I say, I'd like to go out to eat. Um, where would you like to go? Because I want them to tell me. And if they, if they, if they don't uh, tell me, I'll say, well, um, are you okay uh, if we went to a place like Applebee's or BJ's or whatever? Because if they're not, I'm not taking them there. Because, because that's their preference. And it's, it's, I'm all for it. All right, um, but much of what we do in our worship and our service, to the Lord, uh, you know, is just out of a heart of love to, in a desire to please Him, uh, and we have preferences that we set up uh, in our own life that we prefer to do because we believe that it pleases God. Uh, and then we have what's called hangups, and I'm almost done. Uh, things that we believe very strongly about, even though there's no biblical basis for that, and I and and they can be, um, you know, they can result in a hinder of our effectiveness and our service for the Lord. Um, you know, being able to reach people and, and different stuff. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I think that there are preachers uh, who have um, um, preferences and choices. I'll use this for an example. Um, we have, um, I believe in modesty, uh, in modesty for men and women. Uh, and the Bible defines what it is, the, the uncovering of the thigh, and, uh, and there's other references, uh, you know, um, and not to get into all that, um, but people have different um, views of, of that. From everything from, we had, like, there was a time in, uh, I think I've preached this before. I'll just use this as an example. I'm going to put these away because I'll keep going. Um, we had, um, Amy and I went shopping uh, for a, um, a dress for her for Easter or something. This is like decades ago. And, um, and we, we <coughs> she like, she'd put it on. Uh, come out, it's like, oh, that doesn't fit right. We're just, together, we're kind of hammering this stuff out and hashing, is this, uh, uh, and, and, and many of you have done this before with your wife shopping, uh, or am I the only one? Uh, and, uh, I'm the only one. Uh, and, uh, you know, how does this look or whatever? I'm like, oh, no, not that way. So we're doing, so we, this dress, it's like, oh, this beautiful dress or whatever, and, and, um, and she, she wore it to church. And then um, I was on a, a uh, a ride. We were going somewhere, my pastor and I. And so he's like, hey, I got to talk to you about something. I'm like, what? 
And um, he said, I really, I really didn't like what Amy was wearing um, at church uh, this last Sunday. And I'm like, really? I'm like, and I was like, well, like, what do you mean? And uh, it was modest or whatever, but there was like um, layers. And so there's like a, 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 a skirt that was there, but then there was like a, um, like a, yeah, over the top of it or whatever. Like, I always think of it like, you know, uh, like, to, like I would tie spawn bags with, you know, uh, you know, uh, whatever. Just, it's like sheer, it was through, but it was on the outside. And, um, and so his preference was um, that that, you know, that's material uh, that, uh, that women, uh, that their undergarments are made of. And, um, and it blew our mind. Like we were, so, we, 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 we referred to it as the forbidden dress. And, uh, but here's, but here's that I was, I was, we didn't think anything was wrong with it. Okay. And so we purchased it. Uh, and, uh, but when my pastor had a problem with it, she just didn't wear it anymore. We didn't get bent out, out, out of shape or we're going to leave the church or, or whatever. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, when we moved to Washington in 2002, she still had the forbidden dress and she wore it. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, but my point is this. People have different preferences uh, that um, can be a hindrance um, to relationship and other things. There's stuff that, that, that you can get upset about that really don't matter. Um, but there are things that really matter that we've, that we've in modern Christianity, um, we just keep minimizing, minimizing, minimizing. So we have, we have the mess that we have in Christianity today where it's just full on, you know, uh, absolute craziness. And um, so all of that to say fellowship, there's a unity, um, the word of God, um, there's no non-essential doctrines. Uh, and when, if, if, when I say something like, you know, a Christian ought to look like a Christian. Okay, you can go a million different directions with that. I mean, when I say it, I mean, I'm, people get mad just by, just by saying that. And, um, but um, biblical principles of, of modesty, um, and it's not just materials or whatever, shirt, whatever. There's, and, and modesty encompasses um, more than just clothes. Okay, uh, we're going to be clothed with righteousness and humility. Uh, as well. But, um, but there are biblical principles in the Word of God um, that we have to obey in regards to that. All right? And, um, but how the convictions and the standards that you set up, um, they should be set up to keep that. So um, when, when, um, when you don't, um, then there's consequences. It could be in your family. Um, somebody might get in trouble. Um, there could be, there's any number of different things. But my point is, um, if, if, if the standard is, you have a biblical, uh, biblical well, let me use this one. Um, there's so many. Uh, um, the Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. All right. And so when I was uh, uh, in Christian high school, we had, what, we had a six inch rule. So you sit next, if you're sitting next to like Amy and I were, you know, uh, a thing when we were 15 and 14, uh, but we couldn't sit, if we sat on a bus, six inches, and nobody can buy with a ruler or whatever, it wasn't like that. Um, but the biblical principle is, we understand why it's good for a man not to touch a woman, okay? And, uh, and um, so, so there are standards that parents set up in their homes, um, and because they want to keep the principle of purity, and have a conviction about purity, um, where, where people begin to differ is 
Um, you know, um, what do you allow your kids to do and other people? And, and there's a certain amount of liberty. Uh, but when, when those biblical principles are violated, all kinds of things can go bad wrong. Okay? And so, so um, we, we, if we cannot violate biblical principle. And we have to set, have convictions, we have to set up standards, and there be preferences, and we can I- identify all those things. Uh, but, um, but it is never, it's, it's never, it's not wrong uh, to just want to live for God and, and do the best that you can. Okay? And if somebody has a standard one more than you do, it doesn't make them a Pharisee. If somebody has one standard less than you do, it doesn't make them a liberal. All right? Um, and if it's not in the Bible, I'm not going to preach it. And like I tell people all the time, there are so many things in the Bible, I, I'd have zero interest in making stuff up. Okay? I'm not making it up. Uh, but um, but I'll, I'll, preach, I'll preach modesty without apology. Okay? Um, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to parse differences in with you and argue about, um, about it either. And uh, I preach ideals, and uh, you know, and I and I try to even like, oh, it's such a it's such an incendiary topic that I, I have to even deal with it with comedy. And if you remember when I when I uh, installed or passed the edict of the no chicken rule, remember that? You know, does everybody know what the no chicken rule is? Um, no, no breasts, no wings, no thighs. Uh, and. Uh, because here's what I'm. T- I don't want to. I don't want to go look. I don't want to look down. Have an invitation to look down and and see that stuff. And uh, and so for so I'd have somebody come walk. You know. So I I, I preached that years ago. Uh, and uh, the, no chicken rule. And so I had some like one of the ladies would go by. Go, <laughs> you know. And she's like, she's like, really? I'm like, bark, bark, you know. And uh, you know. And because uh, otherwise people just lose their minds. But, but it, yeah, so, by the way, that rule is still in effect uh, at our church. I just don't talk about it a lot. Uh, but, but, it's, but it's like we, you know, um, but can we, can we agree that immodesty in our world is an issue? Certainly. And, um, and so there's nothing wrong with you setting up, you know, um, convictions and, and standards and preferences surrounding that. It might not be what everybody does. Okay. And, um, uh, but, um, well, we had, uh, we had, uh, well, no, I'm done. It's the quarter after seven. Uh, I'll preach more on it. Uh, let's all stand. And um, uh, so I just wanted to give some definitions so you understand there are essential things. Um, there are no non-essential Bible doctrines. We need to have Christian liberty uh, and love and all of that, yes. Uh, but but what, what sometimes people say are non-essentials are essential. 